and welcome to LAIVF Clinic's podcast series, Understanding Your Fertility, a podcast series specially curated to answer all your questions about fertility with fertility specialist, Dr. Aikut Bayrak, and I am your host, Ara Behagen. Today is the second part of a two-part series on the topic of male infertility. Last week, we discussed the common causes of how men could suffer from infertility and also how we test for it. Today, in part two, we will discuss the various treatment options for male infertility. And as always, if you have any questions or comments that you would like us to address in future episodes, please email us at info at laivfclinic.com and put the words, my fertility questions in the subject line. And thank you for listening. Today's podcast is brought to you by Fertile Vitamin, an exclusive combination of supplements designed by top pharmacists, board certified obstetrician gynecologists, and infertility specialists. Check out Fertile Vitamin for men and Fertile Vitamin for Women, recommended for those who want to improve their fertility health, vitality, and overall well-being. High-quality ingredients in both formulas include a unique blend of vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. Also check out Fertile Vitamin D3 and fish oil. Designed and manufactured proudly in the United States. For more information, go to FertileVitamin.com and order today. Hello, and thank you for joining my conversation today with Dr. Byrak. Today is the second part of a two-part series on the topic of male infertility. Last week, we discussed the common causes of how men could suffer from infertility, and we also talked about how we test for it. So today we are discussing the treatment options. Um, so Dr. Byrek, can you start us first? Can you start us off with a summary of the common causes of infertility? And then we can go into the treatment options. Yes, absolutely. So I think in the previous episode or part one of male infertility, we talked about the potential causes of male infertility. So we can touch base on that and so that we can also tie that into, I think, the treatment options today, yes. which is what we're going to be mainly focusing on. So the um, typically the testing starts with semen analysis. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget that. Mm -hmm. If a couple comes in with fertility issues, we start with uh, semen analysis to check the volume, the count, whether sperm has good uh, swimming ability mm -hmm. and whether they have a healthy, good looking sperm. And if there are issues, then typically a workup is done, which uh, oftentimes can start with a physical examination, make sure there's nothing wrong, hormone testing, because oftentimes there's a hormonal issue. Uh, a urological exam sometimes is necessary because there can be certain issues. Um, we, we talked about these, I think, like varicoceles mm -hmm. or uh, cysts in a testicular tissue or uh, epididymal area or other medical disorders or previous surgeries can play a role. And uh, that can be followed by ultrasound uh, of the um, testicular tissue to mm -hmm. see if there are any lesions or any masses and so forth. And based on that, we have a better understanding about what the underlying cause is. 
Uh, we also briefly talked about absence of sperm in the ejaculate. Mm. Uh, in medical terms, that's called azospermia, meaning having absolutely no sperm. And that can be because the tubes may be missing from birth. Uh, we call that absence of vas deferens, which is the male tubes. Mm -hmm. uh, or it can be just because there's no production. And in medical terminology, that's called non-obstructive azospermia, meaning mm -hmm. there's no obstruction. There's no blockage. Mm -hmm. It's just... There is no sperm production. Gotcha. And with that, there are different treatment modalities, which we should um, start talking about in the next few minutes. But in general, um, semen analysis will tell us if there's a sperm problem, then there's a workup to better understand what the underlying cause is, mm -hmm. and then we treat the underlying cause pretty much. Mm -hmm. We also probably mentioned um, about the sperm DNA testing. Mm -hmm. That is the sperm chromatin testing or sperm DNA fragmentation testing. That can also shed light uh, into male factory infertility and somewhat tell us about the quality of the sperm. So that's another helpful tool. Mm -hmm. And uh, that certainly can be related to a lot of variables and issues that we can actually investigate and find mm -hmm. out and, mm -hmm. and treat accordingly. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think, mainly what we talked about okay, last time. Okay, yes. So if I can summarize kind of in layman's terms, we're looking at a male who either has no sperm because of no production or because of a blockage or the quality is compromised in some sort of fashion. So we're kind of looking at those three big wide areas. I think so. Mm -hmm. So okay. I think it would be reasonable to say that most men with sperm, minor sperm problems, mm -hmm. can actually just be managed conservatively, where hmm. lifestyle modifications, balancing the diet, mm -hmm. managing stress, exercising, uh, minimizing heat to the testicular yeah. area, taking I fertility supplements. Mm -hmm. We do like the fertile vitamin for men. That's a supplement that we favor and use mm -hmm. and that we actually designed ourselves. It's a heavy mixture of vitamins and minerals and uh, antioxidants. Mm -hmm. It's available through the websites, through our offices, and even through Amazon, it's actually uh, available. So that would be one of the supplements or any other fertility supplements would be also helpful, obviously, just to balance out and kind of replace mm -hmm. anything that is really missing in their diet. So those are all the things that we recommend men just in general. Mm -hmm. And if there are minor issues, oftentimes these approaches can actually um, resolve the problem. Now, if there are other issues like, let's say somebody's in their late 40s or 50s and their testosterone level is low. In that case, we would want to increase their natural testosterone production. So oftentimes a medication called Clomid or Clomiphene which is actually used commonly in women to induce ovulation, actually can be used at a lower dose in men to boost natural testosterone production. And if the testosterone is low, which then can be increased with this treatment called Clomid, it's a pill that men take every day. Okay. It has minimal side effects in men, and that'll boost their testosterone production, and which then in return would improve their sperm quality, quantity, and pretty much all the parameters. Mm -hmm. So that's typically a really basic type of treatment that can be offered. Some men will not respond to that, or there might be a little more resistance. In that case, then we use a medication called HCG. It's an injection that's done two or three times a week. 
which also stimulates testosterone, mm -hmm. but it's just a stronger medication, okay. which acts directly on the testicular tissue. Mm -hmm. And again, the goal is to increase testosterone naturally okay. so that the sperm uh, is produced in an environment where there is good amount of testosterone mm -hmm. where, uh, compared to lack of testosterone. Uh, just a quick note on this topic where if somebody has low testosterone and they're trying a baby, we would never, ever give them testosterone supplements because that would actually be the exact opposite of what we're trying to accomplish, which would actually stop sperm production. So if somebody's trying to conceive and their testosterone is low, we would never do a replacement mm. therapy and give them testosterone because if you give testosterone to somebody, that's almost like a male contraceptive. I didn't realize that. Right. So it'll shut down natural sperm production. Wow. So so that's something that we actually would not do. Mm. There are certain indications for testosterone replacement, but absolutely not for fertility reasons. Mm. So that's okay. one important thing that um, our listeners should know about. Pardon me, because maybe now I'm a little confused. So if they are, um, if you want to help change the quality of sperm, you give extra testosterone through Clomid or HCG. Right. So it's more uh, maybe using the correct terminology. It's not like we're giving them testosterone. Okay. Our goal is to make them produce testosterone naturally. Okay. So Interesting. testosterone, oh. right. So it's, it can be confusing mm -hmm. because for example, if somebody's low on estrogen or somebody's in menopause, then we say, okay, give estrogen. Yeah. Right? Because you're treating a symptom. Uh-huh. Here, we're not trying to symptom, but rather treating the underlying cause, oh. which is lack of or inadequate testosterone production. So if we give testosterone to anybody, especially if somebody with low testosterone, mm -hmm. that low testosterone will interfere with the natural hormonal production mm -hmm. in the body, which would then suppress hormones that would actually grow sperm. Mm. So that is definitely a no-no. So, okay. which is different than replacement in all other replacement therapies where mm -hmm. if something is missing, the general tendency would be to replace that. Yeah. If your estrogen is low, here, take some estrogen. If uh, your progesterone is low and that's the concern, here, take some extra progesterone, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that is absolutely not the case here. Mm -hmm. We do the exact opposite and not give testosterone. But we give hormones and pills and treatments that actually boost testosterone production gotcha. in the testicular tissue. So that's kind of really important for men to know Absolutely. before they get on testosterone at a young age because right. their energy is low mm. or their doctors are commending it. But they're also thinking about having a baby or trying actively. Mm. And they think, oh, more testosterone, the better. It's exactly the opposite. Mm. Actually, yeah. Now that I think about it, I've heard like steroids and stuff like that and and bodybuilders who are who are taking extra testosterone yeah have issues in fertility so that's why you're saying is because of the extra if they're taking extra testosterone that's actually making the situation worse exactly that's very good to know right okay. exactly so okay. talking about hormone therapy uh, so we have the clomid medication that we can offer mm -hmm. boots up testosterone same thing with the hcg shots it's mm -hmm. just a shot it's a little more expensive mm -hmm. but that certainly will boost testosterone production and that would really treat hormonal issues that may result in abnormal sperm parameters or male okay. infertility. Okay. The surgical treatments, mm -hmm. let's talk about those, 
includes, uh, number one, treating the coexisting issues or variables. For example, if somebody has a large cyst or a mass that may need to be removed surgically, typically urologists would do that, mm -hmm. either a urologist or a specialized reproductive urologist mm -hmm. can actually do that, which would improve the outcome. So there might be a mass blocking the, the tubes itself. Or right, like, like a cyst or a, mm -hmm. some type of an abnormal formation that can easily be removed. Okay. There is a concept of um, varicocele, which is a dilated blood vessel mm -hmm. uh, or a varicose vein, which typically happens in the legs. People who stand you know, up all the time, like um, teachers and nurses and doctors or other individuals who are just on their feet all day long yeah. will have varicose veins in their mm -hmm. legs. And these varicose veins can also be present in the testicular area in the scrotum. Okay. And that dilated blood vessel, which is called the vein mm -hmm. that takes the blood back into the heart, can accumulate mm -hmm. and increase the temperature and somewhat create a toxic environment there. And there's a good association, especially with large varicoceles mm -hmm. or dilated blood vessels and abnormal semen parameters mm -hmm. and infertility. Now, that doesn't mean that that is the only cause uh, because there are a lot of men with, you know, varicoceles and they never have infertility. So it's just not the absolute cause, but rather more of an association. And there are studies that looked at treating, removing, tying these varicoceles, an improvement of sperm parameters. And mm -hmm. that is certainly true mm -hmm. for larger varicoceles. If they're really small, mm -hmm. the benefit is really not there. So the surgery really doesn't make sense. But for significant ones, mm -hmm. um, for people who have sperm DNA problems, the fragmentation issue mm -hmm. that we talked about right. in the previous episode, mm -hmm. these varicoceles can actually cause that. And the repair actually can improve that mm. DNA fragmentation. So it may be helpful in those aspects right. uh, and as well as uh, the semen parameters. Okay. Uh, the issue is sometimes these improvements following surgery are temporary. And after six months or a year, sometimes oh. the abnormality comes back oh, or right. the varicoceles come back. The varicoceles come back. Right. So oh. the, this relief may be temporary which doesn't not mean that it's not beneficial. Mm -hmm. It's just that I think it's it's good and important to understand that it may be partial or temporary mm -hmm. and sometimes permanent, by the way. Okay. Sometimes you just have the surgery and it's done and, and, you're, and then sperm is just great mm -hmm. for a long time. Right. But in a certain you know percentage of patients, a handful of them uh, will have um, these abnormalities come back. Mm. So in some of those cases, I actually recommend freezing the sperm right. while it's still good. Mm -hmm. um, and that this is, a yeah, it does. No, absolutely. And this is more probably prevalent and maybe prudent in men over the age of 50. Okay. Um, so in those men, testosterone levels also tend to be low. Mm -hmm. And if the recosile comes back, there's also reproductive aging, obviously. Mm -hmm. So it kind of all adds up. And the numbers may go down eventually, which mm -hmm. then will again uh, cause issues. Okay. So I think in those cases, it may really make sense to kind of freeze the sperm as backup just in case. Right. Uh, because there may really be a window of opportunity there. Mm -hmm. 
So right. that in itself is kind of, you know, interesting. Right. Um, it just brings up another question I had about age. I'm going to just sidetrack just slightly for a minute, but age and male infertility, just because you had mentioned since there's um, freezing, freezing that sperm is beneficial also just because of the aging process. So do men suffer the same kind of aging process with sperm that women do with eggs because, and I ask that because here on the news and all the famous people and older men having children with, uh, with younger women. It does. Yeah. No, I mean the sperm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, the difference is, uh, it probably starts about maybe 10 years after Mm -hmm. it starts in women. So typically there's this number that's always used for many years when somebody when when a woman is 35 mm-hmm. uh, there's that kind of anxiety and people say well you're 35 now there's that risk and right. you should probably do something yeah so um and there's validity to that there's no doubt about that mm-hmm. because egg quality starts going down more in a pronounced way or dramatically after age 35 mm-hmm. 30 35 to 38 probably mm-hmm. within that range than before compared right. to the 20s or teen years. Right. So there's certainly that concern. Right. That concern starts more in the 40s for men. Okay. So maybe 35 for women and maybe 45 for men. Mm-hmm. And from there on, the sperm quantity, but more importantly, quality mm-hmm. becomes compromised. And okay. there are a lot of studies now looking at uh, paternal age and the risk of birth defects, Down syndrome, okay. chromosomal issues, mm-hmm. uh, miscarriages, and more importantly, autism. Oh, wow. Autism risk goes up with paternal age. And that starts as early as 45, 46, does go up um, every five years significantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's one important variable that we we should be aware of. Right. So your recommendation, let's say, if if a gentleman was 55 um, and wants to conceive naturally, do you actually recommend that that man to get tested first? In before he, because my concern is that they're this couple, let's say, are gonna try to conceive, but they um, might end up having Down syndrome or autism, I think you said, a child. So, is there a risk to not getting tested? Is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I think if somebody is trying to conceive, it is routine to test the sperm. Sperm DNA testing is another level of testing, mm-hmm. but I think. We want to definitely test the sperm, no doubt about that. And if the sperm is normal, most likely, you know, the male factor is either not there or mm-hmm. present, or its impact is uh, not as great okay. as the other variables. That mm-hmm. still doesn't mean that male infertility doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, it oftentimes actually exists. It coexists with female infertility, uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, much more than we think. Okay, gotcha. But if the semen analysis is pretty much normal, the general tendency is to look at other variables. Okay. Uh, but sometimes you do go back and retest the sperm, mm-hmm. reassess, reevaluate, uh, and do sperm DNA testing, and then kind of treat accordingly. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, that's super helpful. I appreciate it, Dr. Bayrak. Yeah, I, no, uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the things that we didn't talk about was the treatment of azospermia which is a more of a surgical treatment that is done by the urologists. Okay. I think we should mention that okay. uh, in a few words. Um, 
So if somebody has no sperm, mm -hmm. once again, that's called azospermia. No, no sperm is coming out. There's just liquid. Right. Uh, in such cases, typically the type of treatment is called a testicular biopsy. In short, we call it TESI, testicular sperm extraction. Mm -hmm. It can be done through a needle biopsy, but oftentimes it's done more in a controlled environment and way in the sense that uh, there's a biopsy in a way of the testicular tissue. And certainly a preoperative workup is done to determine what kind of a biopsy it's going to be done. And the reason I'm saying that is there are two main uh, types of biopsies. One is called the microscopic biopsy, which is done under the microscope. And that's typically done in men who, whom we believe have no sperm production. So that is done under the microscope where the testicular tissue is opened up, literally, and this is under anesthesia, obviously, because it'll be very painful mm. otherwise. And under the microscope, the urologist will then look at these tubules in a way, in a, uh, a little small tubes, let's call them. And uh, there are different techniques and so forth. But without going into details, they'll look and see if they can find sperm wow. in these little uh, small oh, tubes, let's call them, tubes. pockets, in other words. And if we do, then that can be removed and injected in the IVF laboratory inside the eggs so and those, fertilize them. So that sperm there, even though it hasn't come out through the tubes in its normal way, is a fully developed sperm? It is actually not a fully developed oh. sperm. That's oh. a good point. It's an immature sperm. Mm -hmm. But that immature sperm, if it's um, viable, mm -hmm. it's alive in a, in a way, mm -hmm. and it has uh, certain features of viability, meaning that that sperm actually could have been a mature sperm that could have been ejaculated. It's just that the production is so low that it's just not even making it into the tubes and coming out with the ejaculates. Okay. So it is a mature sperm, but it uh -huh. still can be used to fertilize the eggs. Okay. Now the success rates are lower, fertilization rates are lower, mm. chromosomal abnormalities are higher mm. when you use sperm that is you know, so few in numbers. But certainly it is an option for these men. And this right. is the only way that they get pregnant typically. Mm. So this is done through the microscopic approach. And in some men, there's obstruction where we know that there's a lot of sperm production. It's just that oh. due to the obstruction or absence of the tubes, the sperm is just not coming out. Okay. And in those men, it's more of a kind of what we call a regular TESI or mm -hmm. not micro TESI or microscopic mm -hmm. TESI. What is done uh, still by the urologist on their local anesthesia, where the testicular tissue is opened up a bit and uh, sperm is then removed mm -hmm. or a piece of the tissue is removed, which is then identified and uh, the sperm is then used mm -hmm. to uh, utilize uh, and um, the eggs are then fertilized. So okay. with that approach, there's typically a lot of sperm that we get. And actually, we can even freeze that sperm in the event that the couple needs more IVF cycles. Oh, fantastic. So that's great so that the gentleman doesn't have to go through that whole procedure again. Because I'm right. Well, the wife needs to go through it still through the procedure yes, if part, there yeah. are some egg issues or there are not enough eggs. Right. But at least there'll be one less procedure for the couple in a way, right. in that sense. So, I'm just thinking from the man's point of view, I know that if men are listening to this, they're nervous listening to this kind of procedure, um, just of having to undergo something like this. Absolutely, yeah. right. No, but I mean, it's obviously done under anesthesia, mm -hmm. yeah. so it's not 
painful. Certainly, post-procedure, people can have mm -hmm. some discomfort. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. It's a procedure that really allows us to get the sperm where otherwise these men would never become fathers gotcha. ever with that right. treatment right. because sperm is just not coming out simply. Right. So I would probably just leave it at that, yeah. Araba, for uh -huh. today because I think we did certainly review the causes again and the workup uh -huh. and really talked about major treatment options mm -hmm. depending on the underlying cause. Well, as always, thank you for your time, Dr. Byrak. Super informative. And for our listeners, please send us your questions. If you have any questions that you would like Dr. Byrak to answer on the podcast, please email in please email info at laivfclinic.com and put the words my fertility questions in the subject line. And you can find out more about Dr. Byrak and LAIVF by visiting our website at www.laivfclinic.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at LAIVF Clinic. And thank you for listening. Understanding Your Fertility is created by LAIVF. Please note that this podcast is intended for a broad understanding of the topics presented. It does not substitute for the medical advice or care of a physician-patient relationship. Podcast listeners should always consult with their healthcare provider regarding any medical condition that requires professional attention. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If the information on this podcast was useful for you, feel free to share it.